0: Okay, let's try this again. The Chiefs will try once again to win the AFC West for an eighth consecutive time as the Bengals come calling Sunday afternoon. Defending the kingdom, we'll try this again. But on this episode, we'll center on where football fans don't spend enough time in giving respect to offensive linemen. There's actually an offensive line university, and we'll pay tribute to one of the greatest offensive linemen to play, in pro football, and he played for the Kansas City Chiefs and had the biggest part of one of the most important plays, and he's not given enough credit for it. This Defending the Kingdom Like Them All is brought to you by Ticketmaster. Ninth play of the drive for the Chiefs. They trail 20-7, 2.48 to go in the game. Third down and goal to go at the 7 for Mahomes. Looking left. Here comes pressure. He is hit from behind. Now he escapes. Throws it late. Caught in the end zone. Touchdown, Kansas City. Tough catch by Justin Watson. And hi, everyone. Our Happy New Year edition of Defending the Kingdom. Mitch Holtis is with you, voice of the Chiefs, along with senior team reporter Matt McMullen. And this episode is called O-Line University, Catalyst for Victory. And we're going to talk about the offensive line it has never required more intricacy and study and knowledge and toughness than ever before and these offensive linemen are approaching it, especially our guys on a 12-month basis
1: yeah it's something that we don't really talk about because when you watch football like the quarterbacks and the skill position guys they get all of the credit because they're the ones that are scoring and making the highlight plays but the reality is, and we talk about this all the time, that football, even in 2023, is still won the same way it was won in the 60s and in the 40s. It's won in the trenches. That's a reality. It looks different, but it's real that you win football games with your offensive line and your defensive line. And the Chiefs have been blessed to have one of the best offensive lines in the NFL over the last several seasons.
0: That uh, helps make this entire offensive engine go, and we'll need them here against the Bengals. I would love to put it on every billboard around the Chiefs' kingdom, and that is a question I always ask. I've asked it before. I'll ask it again. Find me a really good football team with a bad offensive line, and when you do, it will be the first one. And this week, the Chiefs face a challenge as the Chiefs' offensive line will take on the Cincinnati Bengals, a team that is led by Trey Hendrickson, probably the most underrated edge player in the entire National Football League. But before we get into that, And we're also going to pay tribute to Ed Buddy. Uh, We lost Ed Buddy on December the 9th. Uh, His memorial service was this week. Ed Buddy, we talk about underrated players. We're going to talk about 65 toss power trap, but this is a guy that played all 14 years with the Chiefs. And for all intents and purposes, Matt, Ed Buddy should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He really should. You look back at those early teams, there are two
1: players that are not in the Pro Football Hall of Fame that should. It's Otis Taylor and it's Ed Buddy. I don't know why they're not. And Ed Buddy, whenever you uh, read any eulogies on his life or talk to anyone about him, somehow what always comes out is just a great football player. Just a great football player. An amazing person off the field as well. But just a guy that showed up to work with his lunch pail, went out there and dominated the competition. Just an incredible football player. And I'm totally with you. Should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame.
0: He was ahead of his time, a blend of toughness and power and speed. Um, Hank Stram, of course, was ahead of his time with his offensive tendencies, but he couldn't have done it without Ed Buddy. We'll get into that a little bit later in the episode. But before we do that, let's jump on the space station that is run by Matt Stat himself, (laughs) Matt McMullen, as we go around the world. Well, I've got five today for Tommy Townsend. What a throw.
1: Tommy Townsend
0: you know the 25 yard punt I love Tommy but I'm trying to get that pass I'm not respecting the fake punt pass enough that was pretty cool it's one of those things this is
1: the reality of it and we're guilty of it as well like when the Chiefs lose we don't go back and look at little things like that that ended up being inconsequential because the Chiefs didn't score on that drive there was a missed field goal at the end of the half but a great throw I mean you're already back like 20 yards or whatever and you have to throw it by the sticks I mean really impressive throw by Tommy. So five for you here today. Uh, Shout out to Gary from Knoxville, Tennessee. Rocky Top. I was going to say, that's right in your mom's wheelhouse. She's loving that one. Go Vols. Uh, Russ is in Fresno, California, living with a family of Raiders, which is difficult on this uh, December 26th. Stay strong. Russ. We also need to get Russ out to a game in Kansas City. Big Chiefs fan, but never been to Kansas City. Never been uh, to watch a game here. So we need to get Russ to Kansas City. Stay strong. You got to stay strong, Russ. Stay strong, Russ. Uh, we heard from Michael in Deltona,
0: <laughs> Florida. Uh, Glenn is in Goodland, Kansas. Yeah, home of the... their women's basketball team is on some crazy streak. They've won like 60 or 70 straight games. Um, that's, that's just a great uh, – a tradition out there for both men's and women's sports they've wow. had they've had different uh, players dave jones played for the cleveland browns he was a k-state star uh and he was from actually canterado uh but yeah you go by that on your way I to sure your ski trips but uh, yeah goodland kansas has had uh, some awesome uh, athletes down through the years but check out the goodland cowgirl girls basketball team look out all right all impressive
1: right. then lastly eric is checking in from new orleans uh, although he was here in kansas city for christmas but eric lives in new orleans i'll be in new orleans in late march I'm gonna go with ellie and my sister and her boyfriend to new orleans awesome i've only been once before i was there for the preseason game earlier yeah. this year but we're only there for like 24 hours so you don't, don't really, really get to it? experience it i'll be
0: there for like a a long weekend so yeah should be pretty cool an amazing city amazing city new orleans there's really none like it it's such a blend of cultures um you almost feel like you're in a a foreign city when you're there but it's got a lot of charm and a lot of history all right this edition i got one to add too uh because this is a um defending the kingdom kingdom defender every episode type couple and it's jim and lisa staten i think it's how you say it jim and lisa staten from aiken south carolina okay and and they they hang on every word of defending the kingdom and they're, they're waving the kingdom flag down there in kind of Carolina Panther country. Okay. So, anyway, shout-out to uh, Jim and Lisa Statton. Yes. Okay, let's get into um, Offensive Line University. These offensive linemen the Chiefs have are are really intriguing guys. If you're around Creed Humphrey for any amount of time, or Trey Smith or Joe Tooney, and we're getting to know Wanya Morris, excited about him, although the Raiders were throwing the kitchen sink at him uh, in the last game, and then Juwan Taylor coming in as an unrestricted free agent. And then the rest of the offensive line room, right? We've seen big man touchdown from Nick Allegretti. Mike Kellyendo continues to emerge on the offensive line. Lucas, Lucas Niang uh, in that group, among others. But there's something called OL Masterminds that I'm really intrigued with. You and I have Austin Woodard as a friend, right, in Joplin, yeah. Missouri? And Austin's an offensive line guru. He There's a dude named Duke Miniweather. And he is like the Yoda of (laughs) offensive line teaching. And he has a university or a a seminar that he has in Texas in the offseason. And the Chiefs offensive linemen, particularly Trey Smith and Creed Humphrey, and Wanya Morris attended this year, swear by it. And it was an answer. Remember Von Miller put together like Pass Rush University? And he has this consortium and like we're going to destroy all the pass rushers. We'll (laughs) rule the earth. Well, the offensive linemen are going, well, wait a minute. Maybe we'll do that. But – it's never been tougher to play on the offensive line in this league because of the athletes you're playing against. Look what the Chiefs had to face against Max Crosby, and, and Koontz was awesome, Malcolm Coons. But the intricacies of playing the position uh, have become more profound, and so it's a 12-month venture for the Chiefs offensive line. Pass rushers are so good nowadays. I mean, they're just these elite
1: hybrid athletes that are strong and powerful, but also fast and they have a variety of moves they can use on you, that I'm with you, that playing offensive line is so hard nowadays. I think it's the hardest that it's ever been uh, in professional football, and I think it is really cool what Duke Miniweather does with OL Masterminds. You're right about the the pass-rushing summit that Von Miller has. There's also tight end university, (laughs) so this is kind of becoming a thing where position groups get together in the offseason and exchange ideas, work on things like technique. Why are you so good? Why am I so good? All that kind of stuff. But again, we kind of focus on the skill positions. And edge rushers are basically skill position players. I mean, everyone knows their names, right? But people don't normally know the best offensive linemen in the NFL, especially the best interior offensive linemen in the league, unless you're really committed to learning about it. And we have some of the very best here in Kansas City between Creed Humphrey, Joe Tooney, and Trey Smith. And a little background on OL Masterminds. It began back in 2018. Duke Manyweather and Lane Johnson, all pro at the Eagles, co-founded it. And it really is a year-round thing that's devoted to training, developing, and scouting the nation's best offensive linemen. And the summit that they have in the offseason is kind of like the tent pole around it. The guys all get together in the offseason and talk about uh, things like preparation, how to study film, recovery, execution, all of that stuff. And what was so cool last year, talking about Creed and Trey, they weren't just people that went to it and experienced it. They actually led sessions. So Creed Humphrey, as a second-year player, was leading sessions for college offensive linemen, current pro offensive linemen who are older than he is, he was teaching things about his preparation, his technique, What makes him such a good player to others because they were interested in learning from Creed Humphrey? And same deal with Trey Smith. Trey led a seminar. So really, really cool. Makes uh, us proud of our guys that they're out there uh, teaching others, that others are interested in learning from them. Uh, And once again, just two of the best offensive linemen in the NFL. And when they're called upon at something like OL Masterminds, that shows that their peers believe they are the best
0: of the best. If you've been around high school or collegiate wrestling at all, you know how that's an underappreciated sport, meaning move, move, counter-move, counter-counter-move, footwork. The slightest little mistake can mean a a pin. With offensive line now in the National Football League, and it's why you and I love to watch it at training camp and like to watch it with Austin because he sees it like in three dimensions. But if you're around Trey or or Creed or, or Joe, they will say a foot placement just off a half-inch or a quarter-inch can be a real problem. Or how do I strike a blow instead of just receiving blows? And the best offensive linemen are able to do that, hand placement without getting holds. Let's be honest, the Chiefs have the most holding calls this year in the National Football League with 20. All right, that's there. That's a number. But if the Chiefs are going to win this week, that has to be minimized or eradicated. Same with the final game against the Chargers or into the playoffs. But it can be just a half-inch. I mean, Creed was called this year where you could say, mm. and there was another one where he was called, and I said, it might have been the Buffalo game, and he goes, yeah, I got outside about a half or inch. I go, a half inch? He goes, yeah. And that was the difference in a holding call. That's 10 yards and could be a drive killer.
1: Yeah, it's tough. I mean, it truly is. It comes down to the slimmest of margins. And when we talk about that, we're usually talking about like a drop pass or uh I don't know, a missed tackle, things like that. But it really does boil down to the smallest things like hand placement. And speaking of Austin Woodard, one thing in training camp that he was teaching me is Creed's hand placement and why Creed's hand placement is one of the things that makes him one of the best centers in the NFL. And I'm not going to talk about it here because it could give it away. (laughs) But it's this little teeny thing that makes a big difference that you wouldn't even think about. But Austin was explaining why it matters and why it makes Creed just a little bit better than the competition. And those are the smallest things that you need to succeed in the NFL because everyone's good in the NFL. Everyone is the best athlete from their hometown. They were a superstar in college. When everyone's good, you have to find the little teeny things that make you just a little bit better. That's what makes great players in the NFL. And, again, we're lucky to have guys like Creed, Joe, and Trey, uh, Jawan, Wanye, an emerging player, who are some of the best. How encourage
0: you that Wanye, though, went to um, OL Masterminds, we're calling it OL University, and is willing to learn? Because he has guys now that he trusts in Creed and Trey – Who are his big brothers? Absolutely. I think that goes hand in hand with what I was saying, that it's
1: one difficult thing in the NFL that I've seen is when players are the absolute best where they come from, they've really never been challenged because they've always been athletically better than everyone else. How do you respond to all of a sudden everyone else being really good and you need to be coached up in order to be better than they are? And that's why some players don't make it in the NFL that were really good in college because they're not – susceptible to that. They can't take the coaching and get better because of it. Well, Wanye strikes me as a guy who is so interested in learning. And when we had him on the podcast last week, we talked off camera for a while as well. And he is so excited to learn. And there's going to be Bumps along the way. I mean, you
0: face Max Crosby as a rookie. In a wide nine? Where yeah. You can't I even mean, see him. He's, like, he's out there somewhere, but I can't see him, and he's coming like an asteroid into my ear hole. I
1: mean, super tough assignment, right? Yeah. But the best ones go, okay, that happened. How do I learn from that? How do I get better because of that? How do I make sure next time I face Max Crosby, I don't let that happen? And the great ones don't let mistakes snowball. And that's the challenge for Wanye. And just based on what we've learned about him, I feel really good about him learning from that experience
0: and not dwelling on it. Feel very good, too, about a guy like Creed Humphrey. We had a chance to get his reaction to OL Masterminds and what he's facing this week.
1: All right, we're joined now by Chief Center Creed Humphrey. And, Creed, we've been talking about OL Masterminds on our podcast today and it's something you're obviously very familiar with. How did you first find out about OL Masterminds and why did you want to go?
2: Yeah. So the, uh, first time I went was, uh, in college, uh, when I was at OU, uh, Duke Manny, Weather, he's, he's a big reason why it happens and put on. And, uh, you know, uh, he's, he has a good relationship with, uh, coach B at OU and he, you know, invited me down. And then, uh, since then I've gone every year, but, uh, it's a, it's a good thing. I mean, getting, you know, some of the top guys in the league in one room, just being able to, you know, talk ball, watch film, you know, talk about different techniques, things like that. It's, uh, uh, I found it very helpful for, you know, most guys who go just to, you know, learn all these different things to help improve their game.
1: Just after your second season in the NFL, I mean you were presenting. Like people were curious about what you had to say. What's it mean to you that you go to this kind of event and your peers look at you as someone that can teach them something they can learn?
2: Yeah, it's exciting for sure. And uh you know, there's a ton of guys that go, you know, that are that are, you know, in the Hall of Fame now, that are retired, that played for, you know, a decade and uh it's always really cool to hear from those guys and uh just you know it's a it's a blessing for me just to be able to you know go over there and people want to pick my brain some too so uh it's a it's a really cool event and to be
1: there with trey i think wanye went there last Mm -hmm. year when you're there with teammates and you can share it with them what's that experience like
2: it's good you know and uh trey's gotten to present too while we go there and uh you know it's just really good uh, having those guys around and uh you know, I think it's, you know, helped all three of us for sure. So it, it's it's something that's, you know, really fun to go to. And it's, again, you know, it's just, you know, putting more tools into your tool belt uh, before the season starts, which is always helpful.
1: Yeah. Mitch and I have talked about this, where there's like tight end university, there's like the pass rush summit, but mm-hmm. there's so much that goes into playing offensive line. How beneficial is it to just pick the brain of a guy on another team you might not talk to otherwise, just to learn about what makes him tick?
2: Yeah, it's huge. And, uh, you know, getting to talk to, you know, other centers that have, you know been the other interior guys uh you know like ryan jensen someone who goes a lot and it's been really cool to hear from him you know he's one of the best to do it right now too so uh it's been really cool to hear from him you got guys like you know steve hutchinson who's in the hall of fame now that he's he goes and presents and it's really fun to pick his brain too and uh it's always really fun you know just to hear what they say and you know a lot of it always goes back to mentality though which is you know such a huge crucial part of you know offensive line plays, just playing with the right mentality and uh it's always really cool to hear from those guys and kind of how they got into the mode for, you know, games and things like that.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm glad you mentioned mentality. That's my final question for you. Mitch and I on the podcast have talked about how a victory over the Bengals begins with you guys and the mentality you guys have setting a tone up front. How excited are you for that challenge to set that tone up front from the get-go on Sunday?
2: Yeah, really excited. You know, they have a really good front seven and uh, they present challenges. Their defensive coordinator does a great job, you know, getting them to the right spots too, so uh it's a it's a it's a unique challenge playing against them always, and it's always really fun to play against them too because they have some really good players in that front seven. So uh, we're excited about it. We're ready to uh, you know attack the week and uh, you know get back on the and get back into the winning ways. And uh, you know we know we're going to play a big part in that. So we're excited about it.
1: Well, Creed, appreciate your time as always. Go get them on Sunday.
0: Thank you. Creed Humphrey, I, we talk about the intricacies of playing offensive line. It's it's no coincidence. He was an awesome wrestler. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is a state champion. And you look at a lot of linemen in the National Football League. When we look at them during the draft, how many times do we see that they were outstanding, either high school or college wrestlers? It's funny how that's
1: like a commonality, but it's real because you're basically wrestling standing up, like with, you know, all the technique and everything that you have to use It kind of is an indicator, like when you look at guys that played other sports. Like Patrick Mahomes, we always talk about how he was a baseball player, right? And that influences some of his throws. Well, for offensive linemen, I think particularly interior offensive linemen, being a great wrestler and having that experience translates to playing football because it's a very similar experience. And, yeah, I wouldn't want to wrestle Creed
0: in high school. Can you imagine? (laughs) Hear that? That's the slap of the mat. You've been pinned. <laughs> but it's also about leverage and understanding kind of the physics of playing on the offensive line. But it segues into Ed Buddy. We just lost Ed Buddy, a uh, member of the Super Bowl Four championship team. He was an uh, AFL All-Star five times, two-time All-Pro. But what is lost about Ed Buddy? First of all, he should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And why he is not uh, needs to be studied, or maybe we get him in there at some point. But two, one of the most famous plays... In pro football history, is 65-top toss-power trap in Super Bowl IV in January of 1970 when the Chiefs won their first Super Bowl as big underdogs to the Minnesota Vikings. We talk about Mike Garrett running the ball, the footwork by Lenny Dawson. We see Hank Stram going, watch it pop wide open, boys. 65-toss-power trap, the mentor. Yeah. <laughs> what we do not talk about, in fact, it's not even on the – that play is etched out in front of the Founders Plaza – But you just see a line drawn, and the line across showing a block. Ed Buddy's block at left guard. He played 14 years for the Chiefs. At left guard, he makes the play maybe of that Super Bowl in his block. Without Ed Buddy's block, there is no 65 toss-pair trap, and therein lies the life of an offensive lineman. That's why football is the ultimate
1: team game. That's why football is the greatest game in the world. Because when you watch 65 toss power trap, like you said, your eyes go to Mike Garrett because he scored. And that's obviously very important. That's the center of the play. But Mike Garrett cannot score by himself. Everything else has to go according to plan. Everyone has to do their job. And think about some of the plays in recent Chiefs history. Think about the run to immortality, Damian Williams. We always talk about the blocking on that play. doesn't happen if, was it Byron Pringle and Anthony Sherman?
0: Pringle had that one. Pringle's because it's a touchdown. He takes the DB off the screen. Uh Sherman knocks out two guys. But if there's not a slowdown play side by Eric Fisher, that play's going nowhere. In fact, it's going to be a loss.
1: Great example. And that first down, and of course ended up being a touchdown, sealed the Super Bowl back in Super Bowl 54 Hmm. for the Chiefs. Think about Wasp in that Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes has a 15-step drop. Nick Bose is coming around the edge. It's one of the best defensive lines in the NFL. Third and 15, they smell blood. The offensive line has to block just long enough for Tyreek to make it down the field. So we can go on and on about this, but the offensive line and the whole operation has to work in concert and together for some of the greatest moments to occur in Chiefs history and NFL history. And we remember the highlight part. Like, we remember Damian Williams running for the touchdown, and that's obviously very important. You have to have the vision. You have to hold on to the football and score and and be fast like Damian was. But you have to have everything else working as well. And Ed Buddy, what he did on 65 Toss Power Trap, Mm -hmm. is legendary. It's legendary, and it deserves more attention.
0: He also became the first offensive lineman to be named Offensive Player of the Week in pro football history. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> he absolutely obliterated the Raiders by himself one day. And there's so many guys that uh, that have talked about it that said, I've never seen an offensive lineman in a single game dominate a game like Ed Buddy did against the Raiders. And he gets Offensive Player of the Week as a lineman, which never happened. We'll close it out this way just because of this game. We're going to try this again. We're going to try to win the AFC West this week. And why did we want to bring up offensive line masterminds and what we're calling OL University catalyst to victory? I think we agree, Matt, that the catalyst to victory this week over the Bengals and to try to win this division for an eighth consecutive year will start with the offensive line because Trey Hendrickson, who plays for the Bengals, I think is the most underrated edge player in the National Football League. You hear about the Bosers, you hear about uh, Max Crosby. We don't hear enough about Trey Hendricks. 16 sacks is second right now in the NFL. And 72
1: pressures. That's 10th in the NFL. And I think Sam Hubbard on the other side is one of the more underrated edge rushers in the NFL. Been there a long time and a really good player who's been a thorn on our side every time we've played them. So they have one of the better tandems in the league. They don't have DJ Reader in the middle. That is significant. One of the best interior pass rushers and run defenders in the NFL. Not having him is a big deal. They lost him to a season ending injury a few weeks ago. But still, we just played these guys enough to know that this defensive line and this pass rush is legit. And coming off a tough game against the Raiders last week, how do you set the tone early? You do it with the offensive line. And even though this came in a loss a few weeks ago, the way the Chiefs played against the Packers in the third quarter up front where they were blowing the Packers off the line of scrimmage, Isaiah Pacheco was running for like eight yards a carry, dragging guys with him, and the offensive line was pushing the pile. I hope we see that kind of mentality from the Chiefs offensive line here in this game because that's how you win. That sets the tone from the get-go that it's going to be a 60-minute fight. And, frankly, the Raiders did that defensively last week where those guys wanted that game. It was apparent. Yep. And for the Chiefs in this one, from the offensive line's perspective, if you come in with a an edge and set the tone early – I like the Chiefs' chances a lot in winning the division against the Bengals. This has got to be
0: a brush fire throughout that locker room, but setting the fire, the offensive line, and we all know where they set in that locker room during the week. They're over in their own little corner. They need to be the catalyst for victory. And this Bengals defense, they also have Logan Wilson at linebacker. He might be the most underrated linebacker in the league to go with Trey Hendrickson as the most underrated edge rusher, and then Cam Taylor Britt, the former Nebraska Cornhusker. So they've got – Guys up front, middle, and back. Now, statistically, they haven't had great statistics, but those guys that we just mentioned are enough to wreck the party. And the offensive line, because of delayed blitzes, the games, they call them games in the NFL, you'll see stunts and twists where they're showing you this, but then all of a sudden they twist or they delayed twist, and then here comes the linebacker. All of that is part of OL University and part of OL Masterminds. And for a guy like Wanya Morris to learn – who's lined up where, and what are they doing in that split second after the snap. And here's the thing. If
1: you look at the Bengals' defense, you mentioned that some of their stats are middle of the pack or bottom third of the league, which is surprising. One area where they have really struggled is allowing explosive plays. They've allowed the most plays of 10 or more yards of any team with 212 and the most plays of 20 or more yards of any team was 73. For some context, the Chiefs have allowed the second fewest plays of 20 or more yards defensively, with only 42. So almost twice as many big plays allowed, uh, both on the ground and through the air. But those explosive plays begin with the offensive line. Because whether it be a running play, where you have to open up the hole, or a passing play, where you need time for the play to develop, it all begins with the offensive line. So these Bengals, they allow explosive plays as long as the offensive line can set that tone early. The one really scary thing about the Bengals defense when you're looking at all the numbers, the one category where they are near the top of the NFL is red zone takeaways. They have seven red zone takeaways. Well, this only year. Pittsburgh has more, I think. Exactly, yep. Oof. Seven red zone takeaways. So for the Chiefs offense here in this one, you're moving down the field, you're feeling good. Not only do you have to finish in the red zone, you have to not turn the ball over in the red zone. So that's a huge key here in this game. Uh, The Bengals defense, it's middle of the pack, but we've seen these guys enough to know that they are very dangerous.
0: So consider this. As OL masterminds, or we're calling it OL University, think of its finals week for the Chiefs offensive line in trying to pass this test. And if they do so, it'll be the offensive line that will be catalyst to victory.